the secret to the whole thing is to sort of turn that little voice within you, that, that monologue of the mind that we, we all have within us, that, that voice that we are sometimes all too familiar with and at other times wholly unaware of, but uh, yet at the same time so often sort of dictates our, our overall beings, right? It kind of dictates our, our general consciousness itself. Um, and turn that I mean, we, we might name it a number of, of different things. There are a lot of people who call it, um, you know, the, this dialogue with the world, this dialogue with otherness, this dialogue with uh, God, this dialogue with oneself. Um, some, some might even call it the, this, this sort of external being or, or, or way of oneself. But whatever we call it, uh, whatever this otherness is that we encounter in our daily life, if we're able to sort of turn that into this dialogue, if we're really able to kind of have a, a conversation um, with oneself as as you go through your sort of daily motions um, I think we will all find that we'll be much more aware much more present much more in tune with your life as as we as you go through it um, rather than having this sort of rush of thoughts that so often overtake us as we go about our, uh, about our, our, our daily business, our daily lives, our, 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 our moment-to-moment beings. I think if we were to stop and reflect on that, we would so frequently see, if, if we were able to extract ourselves, we, we may readily and easily see that we aren't actually in control of that interior monologue, that internal voice um, that really comes to compose our own mind. But if you think about it, when you have a conversation, you are more in control of what it is that you say. And you are, of course, when you're having a conversation, you're also doing this extraordinarily important thing that we call listening and observing. Um, And we're we're, we're listening to what it is, of course, that we are talking to. So I highly encourage you to have a conversation with whatever it is that you you yourself see as as external or um, that thing that you communicate 
with uh, an encounter with your daily life, whether that that thing is um, something as simple um, and as external as anything you engage in with your daily life, a flower or a, 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 a cloud, um, something you see, I mean, your couch, I don't know, something that you see um, as external to yourself that, that has being. Or maybe, you know, it's such, something much more deep. Maybe it's something that you see as um, much larger than yourself, much larger than those things that you encounter on a day-to-day -day sort of routine. Even if you are able to, and this, this might seem paradoxical, but even if you are able to communicate with the nothingness, with the silence uh, that is there, the, w w with that thing that is beyond verbal communication, as, as we might sort of readily come to, or have come to understand it. If you're able to simply participate um, in the observation and, and the that communal being, that, that sort of uh, just generalized practice of recognition and participation with. It's that participation with that so often eludes us due to the way that we conceptualize and sort of abstract things. But if you're able to, again, have, have just a simple dialogue, just in the way that we're able to, to dialogue with, with one another, with, and I know it might sound strange, but, but with even silence itself, but with, um, <laughs> and with, without <laughs> sounding, uh, maybe, you know, mad, um, but to have that kind of interior, uh, if you don't want to do it, it's an interesting exercise, I suppose, to have an external or audio like conversation as I mentioned like with your couch or, or something like that um, uh, it, you, you might seem uh, to someone looking uh, you know from the outside in as 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 a little you know uh, off your, your rocker um, but the exercise is, is really what we're getting at it, that communication again with is sort of what we're, we're trying to get at. And, and it doesn't matter with what. It's the mere fact that we so seldom communicate and so often just sort of passively let phenomena wash over us, I think is the point that we're trying to make, is that we are so often just passive observers. So infrequently do we have 
have that dialogue that would really, um, for our, our own selves, extract something so much more. Because it's so, so frequently the case that we don't know our own interior. We don't know that that reality that exists. We often, there is no reality that exists until we sort of create a space, until we engage in that dialogue with that thing that we perceive as exterior, as other. And until until we open up that space, uh, we we don't know what might exist. That's the beauty, sort of of our of our consciousness is that beyond there's always this conversation. There's often this conversation in philosophy or in theology or or just you know in our sort of kind of day to day lives as we go through it uh, about whether or not we have free will well um, that debate is is almost irrelevant when we look at the way that we are able to simply seemingly whether or not that uh, assumption is is a reality or not the mere fact that we have a choice or that we have a perceptive choice to make a decision uh, gives our consciousness something to reflect upon, and that in and of itself is is almost just as good, or if, if not better, than uh, being able to actually make a free uh, a free choice and then decide path A or path B. It, it, if if the opposite is true, if 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 we're merely able to uh, acknowledge that there is a potential decision out there and then whether or not um, it, it, a true and real free choice quote unquote exists or it is, is sort of immaterial that we're able to consciously acknowledge the fact that we, we might have a free choice um, we're still regardless of our choice A or B, left or right, black or white we're at the end of it, still just observing what it is that our beings, um, whatever it was they decided to do, well, what we do, right? Uh, uh, whatever that, again, quote-unquote potential choice may have been or is, um, at the end of it, we're still just observers of our own lives or of the phenomena that ensues uh, once we make that choice. So regardless almost of, of what happens to us or what we perceptively choose, uh, we're still just observing, right? So it's almost better, actually, if <laughs> um, if there isn't such a thing. May, I mean, one can make the argument, I suppose, that it's almost better if we're not actually endowed with free choice and yet we're just endowed with the illusion <laughs> of free choice. And uh, we've already made the choice in some sort of atemporal kind of way uh, and we and we then kind of go from there just observing the um, the acting out of that particular of 
of the happening that is ourselves um, in relation just just that is ourselves in in relation to all other being and, and just ourselves being ourselves I suppose I know oftentimes in the academic and, and discipline disciplinarian training uh, that, that I've received spiritually um, and academically my instructors would constantly remind me to quote unquote and it's it's very common nowadays especially in spiritual or, or, or mindful practice to again quote unquote watch my thoughts um, which has merit undoubtedly however so frequently I, I felt at the time that um, there was something that was almost lacking about that and I think that that's where so many of us in the in the West have a difficult time with Eastern philosophy in that Eastern philosophy and spirituality uh, puts this sort of quote unquote mindfulness in front of us without without really um, maybe acknowledging or making an allowance for how unmindful we often are uh, in the West or how un uh, not even in the West not to not to sort of segregate it between East and West but how unmindful we are as, as human beings just in, in general and how the very structure of, of our consciousness, of the minds that we've set up, uh, has, has, has made us, has sort of brought us up to be. And so to say something as seemingly simplistic as, well, just watch your thoughts. It sort of distances us from, uh, it sort of removes us as participants in our own reality, in our own experience, in the way that, um, in the ways that we, we naturally very much are. Um, it sort of removes us from our own selves. So I think a better thing, because we are very conceptual in the way that we phrase things is often so important so I think that a, a better way that we we may phrase it in order to put us in that sort of right frame of mind so that we are able to more fully and accurately articulate or not just articulate but, but participate within um, that phenomenological happening is to simply allow ourselves to be and simply remind ourselves uh, to the best of our abilities. And I mean, often to say, you know, watch your thoughts or be mindful instructs us to be some sort of Zen monk that we are not. I think what might be easier for us, not again, not just as as you know, people coming from a Western tradition or an Eastern tradition or uh, a Northern or Southern or Northeastern tradition for that matter. Might just be to say, 
Um, be mindful of, of you as a person or just, or just just try and participate just just to be yourself and uh, remember that whatever is happening now uh, you're you're here and it, and it sort of is what it is that, that sounds so super overly su super simplistic um, but at least it, it it gives us some agency it, it puts us within a place where we might be able to uh, to just sort of be and allow us to be our our very own selves right um, and again a, a, I think a, a great way to watch our thoughts because those sort of traditions that, that speak about this quote-unquote mindfulness or, or this behavior of this meditative behavior doesn't really account for this sort of very, uh, again, natural happening that comes to us in, in modern life. And I, I hesitate to say whether it's Western life or Eastern life, but just, just sort of human life is this, this dialogue. Um, what we are absolutely aware of is our ability to communicate, to articulate, to externalize these internal feelings and and a beautiful way to potentially do that is really and actually to again take the time to have a dialogue with yourself with uh, as crazy as it might sound with with whatever it is that's going on uh, that you perceptively see as going on as as other than going on you know, right in front of you. And, it, and again, I hope you understand that, that uh, <laughs> I understand that, you know, maybe having a conversation with your couch uh, is, is not the perceptively sanest thing to, to do. Um, all that being said, the way that we have been taught to learn, the way that we have been taught to codify to 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 intake knowledge um, to know itself this epistemology of, uh, of of knowledge of truth of actuality itself in the traditional sense the way that we've we've taught ourselves and others to, to do this really abstracts and, and puts us at a, a distance from the actual reality that we participate within. And so all we are proposing here is a, a very simplistic exercise which puts us in a dialogue with. That's all. It, it puts us in a dialogue with. It doesn't just have us necessarily you know, uh, seeing the couch as a couch and uh, sitting on it, interacting with it in the way that its utility was prescribed. And not that, you know, we shouldn't sit on it. Sit on a couch or, or, or you know, use a, uh, a chair or a telephone or 
whatever that that thing externally might be um, to its fullest utility. Uh, however, all we are proposing here is to see what might come of an internal or, or external dialogue with that thing that we perceive as happening within phenomena in order in order to bring us to this state of mindfulness of awareness because we already very very naturally are brought to a sort of presentism when we are engaged in, in a dialogue, when we are engaged in this effort as, as I am doing as, as a person right now, in this effort at externalizing what is internal, right? The, the consciousness that is internal to oneself when it is externalized there's something there right there there's there's something magnificent there's something um maybe even we might regard as uh beyond our an articulation that is that is beyond what we had expected however we might want to perceive that this is sort of where genius lies, or what we at least refer to as quote-unquote genius. You know, what we perceive as genius is really an, ex an ability to express something that seem, seems inherently true to the constructs of the universe, or to the construct, or, or to simply are ourselves as as human beings uh, we we often refer to artists as geniuses uh, to scientists academics as as geniuses because they are able to reveal some kind of truth that has otherwise seemingly eluded us but why were they able to elucidate, to, 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 to expose this particular truth? Well, it was because they interacted with that thing, because they chose to engage in some sort of dialogue. And it might not have looked as, as crazy as... <laughs> As a, as a person sitting there talking to their couch, right? <laughs> but uh, at the same time, um, the process is very similar, right? If you want to break it down and, and be probably probably over uh, simplistic about it, but uh, but but at the same time, um, the process that that one engages in. When attempting to expound a, a particular thing, whether that thing be, uh, you know, a, a, a artistic expression, um, 
again, a philosophical notion, a scientific discovery, whatever, whatever it might be. The, the process is sort of the same. Is an individual comes to some sort of reckoning with what that individual perceives as something uh, external to oneself and then and then uh, explores and that process of exploration can be boiled down quite simply to to dialogue um, which is something we do very very naturally I wonder if if we're not all uh, some kind of uh, inherent genius I mean it, it, it I, I it, it must absolutely be the case that that spark of genius is within us or what we call genius is within all of us and yet we simply don't recognize it because we so often sort of refuse to or 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 simply just don't jump start that that dialogue that engagement with the world with ourselves with that otherness that that is needed to propel or uh, to cultivate that revelation it's it, again it's a dial it's a relation it's a it's a participation with italicize that word with participation with the engagement of right but it, it's something that has to, to happen again within us now for some people this dialectic this uh, conversation this dialogue might have a completely more profound sort of label on it. Um, for some people, they might be more com more comfortable thinking of it as a, a dialogue with some sort of uh, higher consciousness or, or what we have come to dub as a, a quote-unquote God. But it it really doesn't even have to be that complicated. Although I, I suppose that's sort of at the same time uh, the beauty of it is that it it could be it could be that deep, and yet it could be as simplistic as talking to uh, the cushion on your couch. <laughs> I mean, that participation with with otherness, regardless of the level that we perceive it. As having or, or as being, um, I think it's I think it's that engagement that is so important and could potentially be so significant for us as as individuals. And then we could obviously and potentially bring that uh, individualistic participation with or conversation with to. To a, to a larger uh, 
to a larger conversation with with other people and and and, and their perspectives and and this is where that grand form of consciousness that 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 larger dialectic um, and conversation in general uh, is given a format so however it whatever it is unveils itself to you however your own personal idiosyncratic subjective being uh, is able to relate to that outer conversation however you as an individual are, are comfortable with it I think the the message is most likely don't don't be afraid to have that conversation uh, that conversation is something that is I mean <laughs> much like the point of or the the uh, maybe kind of uh, not so subtle theme of, of, of this very dictation is and all dictator, all reflection all thought itself is that's sort of the point of thought, that's sort of the point of dialogue is the exploration if you think about it, do you really know what you're going to say before you say it we have a feeling yeah we have a direction but we don't know the articulation. We don't know the finer points of it until we express it. I always have sort of thought that, uh, at least in my own discovery, um, that I, I never, I would understand something conceptually. I would have a feel for a thing if I studied it, if I read about it, if if I had heard about it, if, if I had some sort of second or third or, you know, 15th hand knowledge about a thing. I, again, I would have a vague notion of it. I would have a better notion of it if, a much better notion of it, a, a more intimate, more precise, more individualistic notion of it if I reflected on it and wrote about it and I would have a mastery of it I noticed as soon as I expounded it to others as soon as I was able to have a dialogue about it with others and, and uh, for myself I, I, I noticed that um, in the first uh, college classes that, that I taught the, the first lectures that I was able to give that I I really didn't at the time, and I, I think a lot of college professors would tell you, uh, especially ones that are taking on a new course, that they really don't know, no, they really don't know the subject uh, until they've taught it, right? Until they've they've gotten those questions from those very perceptive students, the, those other forms of consciousness who who question what it is that's that's being put up there. Um, and that's its own form of dialogue. I mean, that, that's the that's the reflection. That's what we see back. That's that's that that other that's a other voice. That other side of it all. Uh, and and until we expound it to others and again engage 
in a dialogue, that's when we come to actually know and be able to truly and really holistically participate with whatever it it is. So I think we should, you know, try, to the best of our abilities, try to try to not be uh, afraid. Um, even though this is so extraordinarily unusual and abnormal, because this is this is not how we have set up our minds. We've set up our minds to sort of have a vague conceptual understanding of a thing and gloss over that thing in thought. Yet if we were take, to take the time to have that dialogue with ourselves, with that thing, we, we might very well um, come to, to truly and really and actually understand not only that thing itself, but probably even more importantly, our, our relation to that thing. One could easily argue that we, would, we can never understand the thing and the reality itself, but maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point is all the more, and even one could potentially argue all the more abstractly, maybe, maybe the point is really all the more to understand our particular relation to that thing. Uh, as egocentric individuals, how could we possibly understand the objective truth or reality of a, of a particular thing? But how could we not understand our own, you know, just subjective relation to it But maybe it might be uh, at least expounding uh, upon that subjective relation. Uh, add a little bit of our own subjective coloring to objectivity. And maybe through that coloring, well, who knows, even change the quote-unquote objective reality. Maybe there is no such thing as objective reality. Maybe there is no such thing as actual truth. Uh, maybe truth, quote-unquote, itself is just an amalgamate of all of these individual consciousnesses uh, experience with, but how would we know what our real and actual experience with a particular thing is uh, until we well, give it a go and explore it and Talk about it, even if it's with our own selves or our couches, <laughs> per se. <laughs> um, but, uh, but again, I, I promise you that it, if you have this continual conversation w with your life as you go through it, if, if you talk, if, if you expose and open yourself up to this dialogue with phenomena, with being, with events, with otherness, then you open yourself up to this vulnerability that we so often close ourselves off to. Um, 
as we go through these perceptible routines of life, if, if we open ourselves up to a dialogue with phenomena, with, with, with our, our lives, and speak to it, something extraordinary happens. It speaks back again. This is a dialogue. And dialogues are, are not monologues. that it is and it might not necessarily use language or words quite in the way that our conceptualized consciousnesses uh, have come to to purpose them to, to, to use them as tools but it and it, whatever, again, we might perceive it as being, whether you're a devout religious believer or a complete and total atheist, there is no denying that the world, that phenomena, interacts with, of course, that's what, uh, that's what existence, that's what being is. The world interacting with us communicating back to it, reacting to us. And that participation itself is a dialogue. That reciprocation is the echo of our action. And that's what we have to open up our proverbial and actual ears to. And, and here's the sad thing is that, especially in this sort of uh, existent, this modern world that we've come to, to live in, is that we, we so frequently see our lives as something that we are living sort of up against something that we have to just kind of get through right we have to get through the day we have to be stronger than this particular moment we have to get beyond this happening we have to survive right we have to get over something we have to again, triumph over something, over some sort of existential situation. We're, we're constantly looking at combating the otherness that is our, our lives. <laughs> I mean, sim simply stated, we often 
think of life as something that is against us. And, and I, I don't make many promises. And I don't really even have anything to base this particular statement or, or sentiment on. I truly don't. But I can, at the same time, with all the assurance of any logic or certainty of, of justifiable nature of any emotion or the certainty of any action ever or any statement ever, I just tell you that I can assure you that life is not against us. It is not something that opposes us. And that, I believe, is demonstrated in the mere fact that we are living with it. Not against it. Is that we are participating with in it that it is something that happens to us just as much as we happen to it it is not some mountain to climb but more so a pathway to walk through regardless of how steep it may at sometimes be And we quite simply have to walk that path, have faith in that process. And we do that by simply being ourselves and by communicating in whatever ways and means we have at our disposals, no matter how inarticulate they might be. All we have to do within our own lives is live them. What else is there? And even if there was something more, what else would we really want it to be.